Today we begin a series on Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, one of our most requested topics. In part one, we'll meet Leonard Lake and talk about his history of animal torture and abuse of women. We'll look at how he came to meet Charles Ng and how the two bonded. We'll also look at what put them on the FBI shit list and what led to their initial arrests. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're looking forward to part one of the Feel Good series of the summer, stick around. This ain't it, but it does have a unicorn. This is Necronomapod. Good evening. It's a sundown, October 22nd, 23rd, something like that. Very close to my 38th birthday. And I'm starting this tape without script or without any real organization of what I want to say, but I do feel I need to explain. What I want is an off-the-shelf sex partner. I want to be able to use a woman whenever and however I want. And when I'm tired or bored or not interested, I simply want to put her away, lock her up in a little room, get her out of my sight, out of my head. So I have a bit of a correction from last week. I didn't realize that the Jim Jones action figure was bought by one of our listeners and sent to me from the Etsy shop. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. So I need to correct my thank you to Trevor and Sarah Woodward. They own a burger restaurant called Little Shop of Burgers out in Casper, Wyoming. So thank you very much, guys. It's the cool, like, Probably the coolest gift I've ever gotten. It's really cool. Super cool. What I heard out of that, Dave, was my fucking notes were perfect. No corrections need made. <laughs> I just simply slipped up in my thank yous. Is that what it was? That's what I heard. <laughs> we'll go with that. Sure. All right. I love Wyoming. I love, we just ta- I love burgers, so we should go tomorrow. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> And he stayed out there. If you have burgers, let Dave know. He'll come see you. (laughs) That's worth a trip out west. Dave's world burger tour. (laughs) Now that sounds fucking fantastic. (laughs) It's going to be like a dual tour. Dave's world burger tour and Mike's cucks across America. (laughs) I'll just pick up some hamburgers and watch you bang out some wives as we jaunt west. Or husbands. I'll cuck anybody. I understand. You, you just sit there in the corner eating a fucking <laughs> greasy ass burger. It's a hell of a buddy road trip movie. <laughs> Sounds like it. This is right in itself. All right. Well, yeah. Cool. And to remind everyone, that was someone they had had it made and sent to you. You got yeah. that last week you talked about on the uh, intro to uh, Gilberto. Yeah. And then that was the last good thing we talked about for an hour and a half. Or was that at the end of the episode? I don't remember when we discussed it. Oops. It was at the it was at the beginning. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> we went over your uh, Google search history at the end. Okay, that's right. What you got? I no, that was his uh, darknet.com Oh yeah, posts. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fetish. What is it? Fetish dark web. Dark fetish net. Dark dot fetish com. net. That was Mike's. Uh, you got posts. You guys week. literally reminded me of that ten minutes ago. I I have no recollection of that. <laughs> I must have been on something good last week because. And I usually or at least will like something will jar my memory and I'll be like, oh, OK, I remember. I have no recollection of that. Like yeah. you posted, I would nail you. Uh, I'll nail you harder than the Romans who crucified Jesus. <laughs> wow. A sweet post, bro. I'm not denying what I may or may not have posted. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't remember discussing it. Fair enough. Whew. 
Okay. Well, it is what it is. Ian and I both have counts on uh, dark web dot FX or whatever it is. Um, did you have a closure account finally? I did. Yeah. Yeah. How's I, Kevin going to get a hold of you now? <laughs> my email, my personal email that was attached to it, maybe. That's right. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Wait, what? I feel like he might fly in one day and be at your front door. <laughs> Hello. He's having his own version of like Euro trip where now he's going to travel across the world to meet right. his, pen, his pen pal Ian. <laughs> he's in love with Ian. He's going to come meet him. Yeah, so, I closed it that night. Smart. As soon as I got move. home. I like that. Good move. Uh, so we took a real shit on uh, the chest of all the people who have been waiting for Israel Keys, huh? <laughs> Well, knocking out number three out of four of the cheating <laughs> cheating scandal 2021 topics. Like, we literally couldn't have given them a bigger fuck you. <laughs> I think this one got like three votes in that scandal. It did. This was last? I thought this West Memphis 3 was last, no? No, this one. Yeah. We ended like up three. doing Casey Anthony and West Memphis 3 like in January and February. And now these these guys here. Yeah. We, it's and we really didn't plan it, and you know, out we just been kind of going, you know, making the schedule up as we go, month by month. There's no rhyme or reason. We'll get to Israel, sure. We just want people, you know, to keep flooding our inbox with requests for him because it's just <laughs> not obnoxious whatsoever. They demand it. I'm gonna love when we do it, and it's just like one fucking part, sixty minutes. That's it, in and out. <laughs> it might be done uh, April of 2022. You never know, like Ted Bundy when we covered. Uh this past mm-hmm. April. One of our best episodes. I, I thought so. Yeah. You never know. I have been listening to, uh, uh, I told you guys the other day, the Coast to Coast AM website. Um, maybe they had it, but I hadn't looked in a while. Uploaded some old Ghost to Ghost episodes, which are my absolute favorite, Art Bell. So I've already been taking notes on some for this year's tribute episode. Good stuff. Incidentally, Halloween falls on a Sunday this year. How about that? I'm just saying. It's all falling mm. falling in line, Mike. Perhaps not a bonus show this year. I like that. Ian's like, I'm listening. Because <laughs> what, last year it was a bonus show. Yeah. Was it's it? A, yeah. Oh, I can't keep them straight. Yeah. We did as a bonus before Halloween. This year, Sunday's a show. So I think a Halloween tribute to Art Bell's Ghost to Ghost might be fitting for the October 31st. I like it. We'll see what people Will say. you commit to it today? I'll commit to it right now. Yeah. Let's sign on the dotted line. <laughs> Let's sign. I mean, I'm already the one doing research. Come on. Hey, we don't have to do anything. It's fine. Done. If I start listening to all these, you might not have to. We'll see. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that was, you know, Halloween's a Sunday. Maybe we should do a little tribute to Ghost to Ghost. I like it. Let it out for everybody. Yeah. And then if they, if they love it so much, maybe they'll want to go back and sign up for Patreon and hear the 2020 maybe Ghost to so. Ghost tribute. Did, and we did one in 2019, too, didn't we? Yeah, we've done a one bonus every show. year. Every Halloween, we do a, uh, a Ghost to Ghost tribute. tradition at this point. Yeah. But this year, it'll be available to the masses. Hmm. The first one is. That's like our third. Well, no, the first. But the, oh, that's true. But it wasn't a Ghost to Ghost. No, it was it just was like just a, his best calls. Yeah. Blumpkin. We should even maybe throw one of those calls in this year's. You just because those were th- some of the best ones. <laughs> Mel's Hole. Mel's Hole. And then the uh, Area 51 guy. Which one? The really scary one? Yeah. That tool huh. used or the guy flying in? Oh, yeah. The one flying yeah. in. When you hear the, the sirens <laughs> and the, that are going on for minutes on end. I don't recommend it, sir. <laughs> See, I think uh, I think you made a miscalculation. 
So, all right. Well, clearly I had nothing much to talk about because I've been rambling over here. So that's just so funny at the end when there's that little pause <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't know what we just heard. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear it all click off. <laughs> You can almost hear him like puffing his Virginia Slim 120s <laughs> menthols. <laughs> He's just like, well. Or if Ramona ever blew him under the desk while he was doing the show. <laughs> what do you think? Mm. Or his second I, wife? Who's Ram- Ramona was his first wife? Yeah, yeah. She was the film. one that had was like tragically killed or died suddenly. Yeah, He's got a she crazy was young too. life story. Yeah. Then he went to the Philippines for a while. Brought his other well, wife back. I'm currently listening to the 2007 Ghost to Ghost, which I believe is the last one he ever hosted. And it's from the Philippines. Oh, there you go. And I guess they got pissed because he ho- he came back to host the 06 one. Because this is when, was it Richard Nori? George Nori. George Nori started taking over. And in 06, Bell came back to do the Ghost to Ghost. And they started screening the calls. And like everyone was up in arms over that, like, oh, you're you're known for not screening, like you know. So in 07, he's he's back to to no screening, and some of these are just ridiculous. Like somebody was just like somebody called and was like, oh, I want a picture of you and your family. He's like, well, that's not what this is for. It's on the website. Like, you were breaking. It was literally the first call of 07. He's like, you were breaking the rules. I love when he hangs up. It's great. That, and then like, how's why do people not turn their goddamn radios off? Like that's rule number one. Turn your damn radio off. Amateur. A lot of those stations, too. I don't know how how his is, but like if you're on hold, you can hear the, the show with a lot of those. So you don't need your goddamn radio on. It happens at least five times every Coast to Coast right. episode. Yeah. White people are so stupid. That's all. Moving on. I don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start off with Leonard Lake. He was born October 29th, 1945, in San Francisco, California. Lake was described as a bright child, but once his parents got divorced, uh, things seemed to go off the rails for him. When Lake was six years old, they got divorced, and his father moved to Seattle, Washington. Lake and his siblings were sent to live with their grandparents, while Lake's mother drove to Seattle to try and get her husband back. This part of Lake's childhood is told two different ways. One, Leonard's grandmother was into art and she thought it would be good artistically for Lake to take pictures of his sister nude. Obviously. (laughs) Always seems like a great idea. The other way is that his grandma had caught him forcing his sisters to pose nude for photographs, but didn't do anything about it. Regardless, this wasn't... uh, these aren't great boundaries between family members. No, I, I don't love it. <laughs> Do you think his sister came up to him was like, handed him a necklace and was like, I want you to paint me wearing this. <laughs> wearing only this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> also, Lake's brother Donald was very aggressive and he would beat on all of his brothers and sisters. This stemmed from Donald getting hit by a slow-moving train that caused lifelong mental issues. He got a pretty severe mm. head wound from that. Was Donald the oldest or older, or was he was, He's younger. He was younger? Mm-hmm. If the train was so slow, why didn't he just move? Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand. This is just what's out there about Donald. Because <laughs> his sister, in the um, in the one book I was reading... 
their sister is quoted in there a bit. And she said that Donald was, uh, quote, a bit slow mm. from getting hit by the train. She describes the train hit. She was. So she witnessed it. I don't know. Or if she's just telling fam- a family story. But he got hit by a slow moving train. All right. I'll accept it. <laughs> Dave will accept that as fact. Well, he said the story is told two different ways. I'll accept it. Like you said, he was very aggressive and was beating on everybody. So Lake started to tell his sisters that he would protect them against Donald if they gave him blowjobs, which they did. So now there's full-blown incest involved. Mm. And Lake also frequently talked about killing his brother Donald. That's something that he does well into adulthood. So I have to say, guys, is incest is not a laughing matter. Our town recently had an incest competition. So I entered my sister. (laughs) 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 Jesus Christ. I quit. I'm going home. (laughs) Couldn't even get it out. Never mind. (laughs) You leave that shit in. Don't you dare cut any of that. I even like how he started it like it was a setup to a joke. Like he was on fucking The Tonight Show. He was like, so guys, uh, speaking of incest, uh, my, our town recently just had a competition. <laughs> fucking Jay Leno over here. You better leave all that in, good sir. So Lake also had a history of killing animals. According to childhood friends, Lake had... Uh, a large habitat he built for mice, like mazes and everything. But when he was sick of the mice, he would kill them and dissolve them in acid. It was reported that he did this to other animals as well and was caught by his grandmother and she did nothing about it. Who was the fucking rabbit killer Um, that the mom was like, eh, Chase, Richard Chase? Yeah. Eh, okay. See you at supper. He just straight up killed the fucking family or the family cat right in front of her. That's what it was. The cat. Let's get you an apartment, young man. (laughs) You're You're a (laughs) well-adjusted individual. You should be out in the community. (laughs) So at this point in the story, no warning signs and everything seems pretty ordinary. Yeah. Nothing that would lead you to (laughs) believe there might be problems down the road. I think when he meets that problem child, Charles, he gets influenced into being. Got it. Yeah. Bad behavior. Because your sister's blowing you probably wouldn't mess you up at all, so. No. Or mess up his sisters. Or mess up his sisters. Or talking about killing your brother. Hmm. Okay. Life in America, Dave. (laughs) When Lake's mother returned from California, she was alone. His father didn't want to be with her anymore. His mom took all of his siblings to live with her. But for whatever reason, she left Lake behind at his grandmother's and he never lived with them as a family again. I mean, I have an idea why <laughs> this all, all this behavior. Well, I think grandma was probably like, hey, by the way, fucko <laughs> over here killing mice. Sisters are blowing him. He's talking about killing Donnie. Maybe leave this one behind. <laughs> Cut your losses. Yeah. Out. <laughs> It was also around this time that Leonard started getting into really extreme conservative views, like telling his siblings that he would poison the water supply uh, of people on welfare. Around 17 years old, Lake discovered the book, The Collector, by John Foles. 
The synopsis of the book is, quote, withdrawn, uneducated and unloved. Frederick collects butterflies and takes photographs. He's obsessed with a beautiful stranger, the art student Miranda. When he wins the pools, he buys a remote Sussex house and calmly abducts Miranda, believing she will grow to love him in time. Have you ever read that? I've never read that. Mm-mm. There was a movie made out of it, too. I've never seen that. Mm-mm. I have read Lolita. Have you read Lolita? I have not. Not great. I think you brought that up when we talked about Robert Berdella because he was also obsessed with the collector. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Seems like that book is considered a blueprint. Yeah, well, <laughs> well Lolita, like- <laughs> he doesn't kidnap. He just falls in love <laughs> with like a 14, 15 year old mm-hmm. girl. And it's just about that. I mean, and yeah, he does, you know, obviously rape her and stuff, but it's not, it's, it's a little bit different and how that he doesn't hold her captive at least i don't remember that being in it i think the collector the way it's like some people consider it one of the best books but then a lot of i mean as long as you don't ideas from it yeah as long as you don't find it in the how-to section you find it in the fiction section and yeah lake became obsessed with this book in a very unhealthy way just like we said robert berdello was also obsessed with it Lake had fantasies about keeping a woman captive to use as a sex slave and whatever else he wanted. He made a video describing his plans. And in this, he was quoted as saying, and quote, off the shelf lover based around the character Miranda. Lake would often talk of his fantasies, having the perfect quote, M lady creep. Late graduated from Balboa High School in 1964 and joined the Marines in the middle of the Vietnam War. Lake was one of those guys that bragged about people he had killed and things like that. But in reality, he was a radar electronics technician and never saw any combat. Wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight, as Jay-Z would say. (laughs) (laughs) Fruit fight? fruit, Food fight, not fruit fight. Trip me up there. Fruit fight. <laughs> food fight. Wouldn't bust a grape in a food fight. Is that the line? I think so. If you say so. <laughs> he was discharged in 1971 after the Army Medical Unit said he had a, quote, delusional breakdown while serving his tour in Da Nang. After being back in the States for a while, Lake enrolled at San Jose State University, but dropped out after one semester. From there, he moved to a hippie commune in San Francisco and got married briefly to Karen Minersman. This marriage didn't last long because Karen found out about Lake's sexual fantasies and his homemade pornography. That whole taking pictures of his sister's nude thing, uh, it turned into a lifelong obsession for Lake. Somehow he convinced hundreds of women and underage teens to pose nude for him. And he kept these pictures in a photo album that he would show everyone that he met. And not that is literally you talk to this guy for 20 minutes or so. He's like, hey, check out this album to everybody (laughs) he encountered. At least he didn't decorate his hallway walls with these pictures. This is also true. (laughs) Available in the archives. Normal (laughs) to share your kitty porn collection with strangers. Doesn't seem wise. I don't even think it's. It was art. (laughs) It was art to him. I mean, just the uh, the of age woman. I feel like it's really fucking weird. Like, all right, I guess. Yeah, she's a looker, Lenny. (laughs) 
What did he say? He was also filming and participating in amateur pornography. That was pretty rough, teetering on being sadistic. Does anyone have these videos? I'm sure there's some collector. Yeah, he can get it from his buddies on this website he's a part <laughs> yeah, of now. Call Kevin and see if he has one. Ian, we really need you to re reinstall your account because there's a lot of things we need to see. <laughs> we we need on on tap uh, two girls, one cup always. Gotta have to have to have that. Uh, we're gonna need this video or and any any sadistic shit he's got going like on. Like Lenny Lake pegging himself. That's the one I think we want. Pegging himself. Why not? I guess you could, right? Just, I don't know. You know, pop one of those little sticky things out of the wall and back into it. There you go. Oops, I fell. Oh, I fell again. Three times, four times. Oops, I pegged me again. <laughs> okay. Was it you that started gagging when we watched Two Girls, One Cup in the kitchen of our uh, our mutual friends? Oh, I won't watch that. Who was one? It was me and you. There was somebody else with us. I don't remember. I, maybe I just saw it that one time then. I would vomit immediately. Because if like if that. you Google it now, there's just so many like, I was going to yeah. say shitty things that come up. There's, <laughs> but there's like, there's, <laughs> says the guy who had that incest joke earlier. Please, pal. <laughs> I entered my sister. You get it? You get it? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe we watched that. Uh, I remember. I don't remember who it was. We had a lot of alcohols. We had a lot of alcohols over there. That's why you would would get lost going home, (laughs) sharing a backyard, (laughs) or you'd you'd take the backyard and fall in the mud, or like go home and eat a sponge. (laughs) I mean, history speaks for itself with with how much fun we had over there. You were calling me when you're 15 blocks away from your house. (laughs) (laughs) There was another time that really disturbed Karen. Where Lake said that he had, quote, an operation to carry out, which involved stealing government property. He never told Karen what he was trying to steal. But when he got home from from wherever he was, uh, whatever he was looking for wasn't in the storage area. And he became depressed. He blamed not being able to stay in the storage unit long enough to find whatever it was he was looking for on sudden diarrhea. I mean, it happens. I think we got we got some audio of it that, that we found. <laughs> See, now, if this was Jack the Ripper era, Dave, you go eat that butthole, right? God. The Leonard Lake Foundation provided us a complimentary <laughs> copy of that from their audio archives. I mean, if you're ever going to use an excuse to get out of something, I mean, no one ever questions diarrhea, right? That's true. Like, But it's not even getting out of anything. It's just it's his own operation. Yeah, he was just making the excuse for why he had to leave. He was making true. the excuse but, to himself. But if you're, if you're, you know... Uh, Karen, you're not going to question anything beyond that, right? Like diarrhea is the end of the conversation. Yeah. Like, whatever like, whatever okay. you say, Lonnie. Yeah. Whatever whatever, you go say. ahead. Go just take care of your, that butthole. <laughs> whatever you got to do. Uh, so being depressed, Lake laid in bed eating chocolate all day. He said the chocolate would constipate him and then he could go carry out his mission. <laughs> 
did we officially get to like toilet humor today? With the, <laughs> like the poop. Like we've officially become like maybe drive time. Howard Stern. I mean, I would love to be Howard Stern, but we officially we're one step away from farting into our microphones. Is that what we've gotten to today? I was just reading this and I saw diarrhea. I'm like, what kind of good diarrhea sound clips out there? I'm just saying we've officially, you know, welcome to the Wacky Morning Zoo. (laughs) Okay, just just wanted to clarify. New t-shirt, Wacky Mornings with W Necronomapod <laughs> or W Namapod. I get it, though. Diarrhea will fuck up your whole day. I get it, Lenny. And it's a little bit funny, right? Like, it's a little bit funny. Always. Come on. Well, it's not Let's you. Be honest. It's not you. It's funny. <laughs> it's not you. If it's you, it's the most serious thing in the world. The couple was struggling with paying bills, so instead of Lake finding a job or even really looking, he made Karen work as a stripper. He then took it a step further and started demanding that she pose nude for pictures in his album. Then another step further when he demanded that she start participating in threesomes, some of which Leonard wasn't involved. Double cuck. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Eiffel Tower cock. I'll have a double cock with cheese, please. (laughs) Karen had enough and moved out in 1971 into her own apartment. Lake would continue to harass her by spying at her and at one point breaking in and burning holes in all of her clothes with a cigarette. The following year in 1972, Karen divorced Lake and got a restraining order against him. After they got divorced, Lake spent a brief amount of time in jail for stealing a car in 1980. When he got out of jail, Lake settled down at the Greenfield Ranch in Ukiah, California, which was another hippie commune. While he was living at the commune, Lake took odd jobs and worked a local renaissance fair. This fair is where he would meet his future wife, Clara Lynn Ballas, nicknamed Cricket. I feel like Ian might have been forced at a time or two to go to a renaissance fair. I've never been to a renaissance oh. fair. <laughs> Why do you say that? I don't know. I had a feeling maybe. I would go to a renaissance fair once. Eat like turkey legs and. Of course. Drink mead. I love that. Sounds fun. Oh, mead, I'm, I'm unsure of. I don't know what that is. What is that? Honey wine. Sweet honey wine. Doesn't yeah. sound great. I would try it. <clears throat> Doesn't sound awesome. Turkey legs sound good. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not dressing up. I'm going to be the motherfucker there in a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt and jeans. <laughs> you know, Edmonton Oilers hat. I'm going to be like, what is this? Alas, who is this outsider among us? Yeah. Like, just give me your fucking turkey legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would absolutely. Do they have any around us? They have to. Somewhere. I don't know. In Ohio, there's got to be a Renaissance Fair. Oh, Definitely. And it's probably the shittiest renaissance fairs of them all. Now we're going to go. I would do that. All right, let's go. Tomorrow. Let's go tomorrow. That's not the same ones, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tomorrow. All right, we're finding one tomorrow. (laughs) We're coming to it. First live show at a renaissance fair. We're all in full garb, dressed up. I'm going to dress up like Gandalf. Okay. (laughs) Harry Harry Potter. (laughs) No. He's Lord of the Rings. I know. I know. I don't read it all that shit, but I get it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll dress up as Hermione. Slutty Hermione. Like there the Halloween go. costumes they sell at Spencer's Gifts. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
also while he was living at this commune, Lake became obsessed with the threat of nuclear war. He had built himself a cabin on the ranch and then started digging out an area of the ground to use as a bunker. He started stockpiling guns and would brag about dumb shit like how he always carried a pill of cyanide to take if something bad happened. Like we said before, of course, he showed everybody his album of nude photographs and talked a lot of the women at the ranch to pose for him. I have no idea how this guy would come off as charming, but... He had some kind of game, apparently. Mm -hmm. It was that mustache. Yeah, (laughs) that's what it was. Obviously. No one liked him there, but one guy that Lake hung out with a lot was a guy named Otter Zell, the owner of Sir Lancelot, the Living Unicorn. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that is its own bonus episode, (laughs) I feel like. Can you imagine if Sir Lancelot, the Living Unicorn, and the Jersey Devil went on tour together? (laughs) Can you, like, how great would that be? It's the ultimate of just, you know. Fraud. (laughs) in a word yes bring little sebastian from parks and rock did you guys watch parks and rock i have not little sebastian the little pony horse whatever it was i did not watch the show i need to watch that is is parks and rock or 30 rock what's better i like parks and rock better they're both good though i would say parks and rock the masses have spoken zell didn't really like lake he just put up with them And Sir Lancelot really wasn't a unicorn. In reality, it was a goat that Zell had surgically modified when it was born to have a single horn grow out of its head. I'm just thinking of the pictures now. (laughs) Sir Lancelot. Ridiculous. Like, they didn't even make it look realistic. They made it look so absurd. You do your Pinocchio voice. I'm a real unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever unicorns say. I don't know what they say. (laughs) My horn will pierce the sky. (laughs) Lake would use Sir Lancelot as bait to get women to pose for his pictures. He would say stuff like, uh, like, yeah, get a, come get a picture with Sir Lancelot and then it would just go from there. Lake eventually set up a deal with Zell where they would take Sir Lancelot to different fairs or circuses and Lake would take the pictures and the two of them would split the money. Fine, fine business opportunity. (laughs) In the spring of 1979, Lake and Zell took Sir Lancelot to the Renaissance Pleasure Fair, which would be a fair that is more relevant in a bit. In the summer of 1979, Lake had found a new girlfriend, Darlene Davis. A side note, Darlene was 15 years old. Darlene was the daughter of someone who hired Lake to do odd jobs every once in a while. Soon after they started dating that summer, Lake took Darlene on a trip with him 200 miles south of San Jose to visit his best friend, Charles, Fat Charles Gunner. That's not very nice, Ian, calling the (laughs) Chucky names like that. Body shaming over here. Goddamn. A little rude. Well, Fat Charles was a nickname given to Charles by Lake. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I didn't realize. <laughs> and Lake was extremely mean to him. Not really sure why they were friends. Like they would go hiking and Leonard Lake would purposely pick a really hard route for them to take. All kind of shit. 
Well, Fat Charlie probably didn't like to like difficult routes. <laughs> no. <laughs> In all fairness, if I was big ass Chuck, why am I hunking, uh, hiking to begin with? Yes. You stay at home, you eat KFC, <laughs> and you watch Sports Center, and you're just fat and happy, right? <laughs> fat and happy. That's all you got to do. You don't need to be hiking. Also, <laughs> if you're in shape, you don't need to be hiking. Just stay inside. You're safe. It's no bears. You're not going to die. You're going to be comfortable. You're going to smell decent when you fucking walk into Drug Mart and I'm behind you in line. Just don't go outside. Don't go camping. This must have happened recently. No, oh. uh, just in general. Like, just don't be an outdoorsy person. It's I know you think it's great. It's not. You're smelly. You look like you've been outdoors. It's like Mike's manifesto on uh, outdoor activity today. <laughs> well, I feel like I've, I've been well versed on this or, or well out, or yeah, outspoken yeah. on the subject. Uh, I don't know. If you're going to go camping, go glamping. Like, we get it. Oh, you're you're yeah. tough. Don't sleep in a tent. Okay. You proved your point. You, you, you could set it up. That's more than I could ever do. Now go sleep inside <laughs> and be comfortable. We get it. You know what you're doing. The end. <laughs> Fat Charles was just under six feet tall, but he weighed over 300 pounds. While they were driving, Lake talked all kinds of shit on Fat Charles. And when Darlene asked Lake why he, so, why he talked about him that way, Lake said that Fat Charles used to be a U.S. post office worker. And due to a back injury, he was getting unemployment and disability checks. We already know Lake's opinion of government assistance programs, so he considered Fat Charles to be mooching off the government. I wonder if Fat Charles uh, is the one that was delivering all those stickers that people keep telling me that they didn't get. Mm. Stealing those. Mm -hmm. You think there's a whole side hustle out there, Dave, of people stealing our stickers and <laughs> selling them on the black market? Large, large number of people who claim to have never received theirs. <laughs> mm. I wonder what the, the going uh, rate is for a Necronompod sticker on, on the, the interwebs. Fat Charles just <laughs> burned them all so he could sit home and uh, not deliver mail all day. So are, are we not seeing Newman as Fat Charles? Oh, yeah. A little bit it's Newman. Yeah, that's a good one. Seinfeld. He's, Newman's not just under six feet tall, though. And he's really short. Yeah. He's also not 300 pounds, I don't think. Yeah, probably not. I should have said too. Wayne Knight. Is it Wayne Knight? Mm -hmm. Pointing out Fat Charles's weight specifically like that will be something we bring up in part two. That's ominous. Mm. I wasn't randomly just thrown in that dude's weight for no reason. <laughs> okay. Once they got there, Darlene found that Lake was the exact opposite towards Fat Charles's wife, Vicky, and their two daughters. To the point where Darlene thought that there was a chance that Lake was secretly in love with Vicky or something. Once they got back from the trip, Darlene lost her, her virginity to Lake right before her 16th birthday. Oh, come on. This relationship continued for some time, and Lake asked her to marry him multiple times. Soon, Darlene became subjected to the same kind of treatment as Karen with... Being asked nonstop to pose for nude photos, um, participate in threesomes. Thankfully, Darlene's parents found out about this relationship and sent Darlene off to a boarding school to get out of the area. Oh, competent parents. I hardly recognize ye. <laughs> <laughs> ye. 
Just saying, we don't have a lot of that in these stories we no, talk about. we don't. That's right. Meanwhile, back at the hippie ranch, Lake was telling lots of people about something he was working on called Operation Miranda. Everybody thought that it was some nonsense about nuclear war in his bunker, but it really was to put his fantasy of the book, The Collector, into reality. He was very much still on the idea of nuclear war, too, and got really into survivalism. So he posted classified ads in Soldier of Fortune magazine under the name Tom Myers, looking for other survivalists. So you're telling me that Leonard Lake signed up for a website and was even smart enough to use a fake name. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. (laughs) Isn't it crazy how people used to have to communicate though? I think we talked about it before. Like the, the internet is what brought, uh, all the crazies today, like these crazies didn't used to find other crazies. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of unless they were like themselves. in prison together or right, something. Right. Yeah. Or these obscure magazines. Yeah. But, classified as. And all these people can find each other. And like uh, on any website. Yeah. And then that's exactly. It. Yeah. Kind of kept them kept them down before. Also, Soldier of Fortune magazine back in the day. I don't know if it still exists, but. It's a pretty heavy duty fucking magazine. There was like mercenaries in there. Yeah, in the put, back, on the back, right? Yeah, classifieds. Yeah, there was some pretty brutal. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> Timothy McVeigh was all about this magazine. Is that magazine still out there somewhere? I don't it's know. Probably not still in publication because magazines in general aren't. Yeah, but that's a good question. I wonder if there's like some Soldier spinoff somewhere on the internet and some. <laughs> it's on the dark web. Yeah, some some or corner. It, this site, this this magazine is literally just on the internet now. You just got to pay for like a like an email subscription or something. Ian, you should do it using your personal information and your, your email. I'll even hire one of the hitmen that uh, use their advertise their services on there. Yeah. All right. It'll, can we hire someone for wet work <laughs> and then show up at a motel like horrible bosses <laughs> and they're arguing with us about like a dumb vegetable platter or something. <laughs> That scene is so fucking funny. Lake ended up getting a letter from a 21-year-old army soldier named Mark Novak, who lived in Fort Lewis, Washington. The two of them exchanged letters for a bit, and then Lake invited Novak out to the ranch. Novak had received orders to report to Schofield Barracks in Hawaii, so on his way there, he figured he would stop off and hang out with Lake. Novak hung out there for three days, And he said he felt that there was something off about Leonard Lake. Lake told him all about his bunker, showed him the nude photos, all that shit. And Novak later on described his initial meeting of Leonard Lake as a, quote, shit talker. Yeah, I could see that. Just a guy that says he's going to do a bunch of shit. And he sure talks a lot, like bragging to people for a guy that's about to embark on what he's about to embark on. Like maybe (laughs) kayfabe a little bit. A little motherfucker. Maybe talk about your knitting class or something and not (laughs) this crazy shit you're about to get into. In late summer 1980, Lake and Otterzell took Sir Lancelot to that Renaissance fair again, where he met Clara Lynn Ballas, who was nicknamed Cricket. Lake started talking to Cricket, learning that she was a teacher's aide in the Bay Area. Lake drove to San Francisco frequently to visit Cricket, where she introduced Lake to her parents 
And Lake also introduced Cricket to Fat Charles and his wife, Vicky, who both really liked her. Cricket ended up being exactly what Leonard Lake had been looking for. She was into all the same stuff sexually as Lake was. And she was all about posing for photos, swapping partners, threesomes, everything. Even the stuff that he was into that's non-consensual, like rape. She was, Cricket was all in on it. The full shebang, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. Lake told Cricket how much he loved her, but at the same time, he had found out where Darlene's school was and started writing her letters. When Darlene wasn't turning down the sexual advances Lake was sending in these letters, he started sending her pictures of himself and Cricket having sex. I mean, was this stuff not a felony back then to send like <laughs> pornography to kids? Wait till we get the next but, one. He's like, I mean, if she's not reporting it, though. <laughs> Like she's into it, but just the balls on the sky to, I, I don't know. It just seems wild. In part two, we're going to talk about, he's just trading porn, like homemade porn stuff with mm. other families. Like, Hey, I'll trade you this for this. It seemed, seemed like, huh? The days before Pornhub, <laughs> you have to like physically <laughs> trade, like not even look each other in the eye. You're just like, there you go, pal. And he hands it back. Like it's hey, not real to real eight millimeter. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, what? You just upload that shit and there you go. Well, this is all taken. I mean, I don't, I don't watch porn. I assume that's how it works. Oh, okay. You've never seen it, have you? No. And if I ever did, I most certainly would not register with my personal information. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm not going to live this with this one down. <laughs> They're living up in this, uh, you know, that murder mountain, Humboldt, Mendocino County area mm-hmm. where everyone's insane already. <laughs> so probably fit right in. It's a lot of crazy shit that goes on up there. A little bit. Like documentaries that you think are going to be about Bigfoot. And then they're not <laughs> about Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot's not real. Yes, he is. <laughs> not that rubber suit video, though. <laughs> People living at the ranch liked Cricket, but they still couldn't stand Lake besides Otterzell. Lake continued to stockpile guns, even though they had a rule of no guns. And he would just go on and on about Operation Miranda and all his other stupid shit, like his cyanide pill and everything. This went on with Cricket living there a while until one day Lake's storage shed caught on fire and set off all his hidden ammunition. (laughs) Back up, Leonard, back up! Could you imagine all these hippies out there, like all right. peaceful and stuff? Right. Fucking whole shed goes up. They already didn't like the guy. I'm like, this fucking asshole. At pretty much the same time, Lake was arrested for stealing building supplies from a local construction company. And that was it for the people at the ranch. And they asked him to move. Lake received one year probation for the stealing. And he and Cricket left the ranch. It's not a good thief. No. From there, they moved to Philo, California, where they stopped at the Philo Motel. This was an old motel, and through discussion, Lake found out that the owner needed someone to occupy and take care of the motel. Lake accepted the job, and he and Cricket moved in, with Cricket finding a job in the area as a teacher's aide. On September 13, 1981, Lake and Cricket got married with Fat Charles as Lake's best man, And at the same time as getting married, 
Lake had bumped up his communications with Darlene from sending pictures to now sending her videos of him and Cricket having sex. I think I got audio of that, too, from the Lake Foundation. (laughs) Cricket's having sex. Is there a more annoying sound? (laughs) You're trying to fucking sleep? Uh, Reason number 432 why you don't go camping. That noise. I never sleep with my windows open. I don't hear that shit. (laughs) Uh, Camping all fucking night long, all night long. Also, don't sleep with your windows open because you're kind of outside then, right? Close the windows, turn on the fucking air condition. You're very comfy. You can hear your TV. Win, win. I mean, I just put a fan like pretty much right up against my face. So Mm. then I don't have to open windows and still get air blown. (laughs) What do you got to do, Pally? (laughs) That crooked noise, though. Pass. Throughout this time period, Lake had still kept in contact with Mark Novak using a P.O. box that no one knew about. Novak had learned Lake's real name by this point and was still stationed in Hawaii. Novak told Lake about a guy on the base that had recently gotten in some trouble and they would probably get along. Not long after this, Lake received a letter to this P.O. box from a guy named Charles Ng. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Something keeping you from achieving your 2020 goals? Let's face it. These are certainly trying times. From being cooped up inside your home to wondering how you're going to pay next month's bills, we're all experiencing some form of stress or strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part? No waiting rooms. That's a pretty big deal if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with a counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, you can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own couch. BetterHelp is available worldwide and has a broad range of expertise available, including licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Not happy with your counselor? No worries. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Remember, everything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help you deserve. Financial aid is even offered to those who qualify. Want to hear how BetterHelp assisted people just like you? Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. Look, we here at Necronomapod want you to start living a happier life. So, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, better H-E-L-P, dot com slash Necro. Charles Cheetah Ng was born in Hong Kong on December 24, 1960. His father had fled to Hong Kong as a child during World War II as the Japanese invaded China. We talked a lot about that during 
Unit 731. It was quite an invasion. They weren't real nice. Mm-mm. Available in the archives. His father worked extremely hard and learned how to speak English to advance in the business world so that he and his family would never suffer like he did. I can't even imagine what it would be like to flee from China during that and survive it and everything. Oh, yeah. His father was rarely around because he was working all the time to house his wife, three kids, his mother and his mother-in-law and two aunts. I don't love that. That's a lot of people to feed. Unlike a lot of serial killers, Charles Ng loved animals and wanted as many pets as possible. He had a chicken for some time, a turtle, and a dog. And according to him, these animals were all killed eventually to be eaten, which was heartbreaking for him. Oh, even the dog? His family says that his mom just made him get rid of the dog. Mm. But the chicken and the turtle, yes, his sister said that he was very upset at that. Yeah, I get that. As long as you don't have to eat your dog, though. That's crossing a line. I I would agree. (laughs) I mean, any of these animals you become attached to would be freaking terrible, though, right? Like, once you name it, it's got to be hard to eat it. I bet a lot of farm kids have that experience, don't they? Yeah, I I live uh, you know in yeah. a city and I'm I'm not up when roosters are crowing and <laughs> you know there's a rooster across the street from us over here another neighbor you yeah. can hear it somewhere I'm the other end of the neighborhood, Pally. I don't hear that <laughs> shit and I'm so glad you can hear it. Well, let's be honest, Dave. You're up. You're on your front porch having coffee. You and that fucking rooster at five thirty in the morning. That's true. Sometimes <laughs> when when you can watch the neighborhood newspaper be delivered to your front step in the morning, you're up a little too early. My opinion. My opinion. You're supposed to wake up and it's just there. It's a curse. I agree with you. Yeah. Aside from the possible trauma of eating your pet, Charles Ng lived a really privileged life in Hong Kong. His father had a car, which was seen as a sign of wealth. And through his connections with doctors and lawyers, all of the Ng children went to very prestigious private schools. His parents even put up with Charles Ng's love of Bruce Lee. His mom didn't want him to get into it. She said it was barbaric, um, but they put up with him. Bruce Lee's a Hong Kong hero. What are you talking about, <laughs> Mrs. Ng? Get out of here with that. And this this went on into teen years. We'll see in adult years. He still uh, would be doing his karate moves and breaking shit in the house and spin kicking pencils out of people's hands and stuff we're gonna get into that (laughs) later on (laughs) he didn't take school seriously and when his father would come home from a business trip and found out that charles ng didn't do his homework he would beat his son with a cane after everything came out about this story charles ng's father regretted the punishment saying quote i was very angry because i want him to be good i beat him with a stick I didn't know, and now they are teaching the different way than the old way, what we do. I beat him very hard, and I not permit him to run away, and even my wife tried to stop me. I feel very bad and angry if he doesn't have good result. Now I look back, well, maybe this is not the way to teaching the children. Now I know. I did it because I love him. I want my children to be good. Don't beat, don't beat your kids. Well, different time, old friend. Forgive yourself. It's a different time. He was very he was very upset he, in this video. He, he was crying. It. He was not happy. 
He was very upset. The more you know. There has there's something else in Charles Ng to make him do what he Oh, I am hundred percent not blaming the dad. <laughs> yeah. This guy's being a little too hard on himself. Yeah. I think also don't the, beat your kids. No, but the, I think the you know, like you said, different times. I think yeah. that happened. Spare the rod, spoil the child, like it says in the Bible, <laughs> friends. Yeah. Ian and I were decades behind that motto. <laughs> <laughs> your parents get arrested for felony assault if they spank you. <laughs> We would get arrested for felony assault if we tried spanking anybody. (laughs) I tried it with a stripper last week. They were like, motherfucker, you're out of here. I was like, what? (laughs) I dropped three good hard-earned dollars on that stage. (laughs) Nope. Cops came as a whole thing. I was like, spare this rod, motherfuckers. (laughs) Now someone's got to deal with this. (laughs) Fortunate for me, county jail, there's always someone willing. I don't doubt it. <laughs> Mike's like, well, it ain't going to suck itself, officer. All right, I'm done. This is what happens when I drink a bottle of wine to start the show. Charles Ng has a lot of what other serial killers have, which is that he loved to steal stuff and he was really bad at it, which we will see later on in this story. At 10 years old, he got caught stealing and his parents sent him to a counselor. By 15 years old, Charles Ng was assaulting Western kids in Hong Kong, throwing Molotov cocktails from the tops of buildings, and then just straight up arson, like burning buildings down. At school, he wrote some type of an obscene letter to one of his teachers, and at 15, he was expelled. I got caught stealing once when I was five. I love stealing. (laughs) It's just as simple as that. Like the mic blank stare. This must be from a movie I haven't seen. That's a Jane's Addiction song from way back. Mm, okay. <laughs> Love that group. Should have quoted some Brooks and Dunn. Mike have been like, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Less than the majority of our listeners would have understood that one. <laughs> Ian got it. That's all I'm going for. I'm trying to make Ian laugh. I do. There. I do. There's uh <laughs> Was Jane's Addiction a super group or was that just a, a regular? There is a few Jane's Addiction songs that I do like, I, but I don't know what off the top of my head. Not that that's relevant, but I am familiar. Excellent. With those artists. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> I didn't know if they were like a Velvet Revolver, you know, where it was like a kind of like a super group type. No. Mm. That was Perry Farrell and uh, what's the what's guitar guy's name? I don't know. The one that was with Carmen Electra for a while. Oh, uh, Navarro. Dave Navarro. Dave Navarro. Yeah. It was those guys, right? See, I knew that. You're not mocking Ian for not knowing that one. <laughs> but of course, oh, because I didn't know fucking obscure l- lyrics from a third album from, you know, 1986. <laughs> Jesus. 1986. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> Wine angry. <laughs> One of Charles Ng's uncles on his father's side had become a teacher and moved to Preston, England to work. He was at a very prestigious school where one of Charles Ng's sisters was already attending. To avoid embarrassment for his behavior in Hong Kong, Charles Ng was sent to school in Preston, England. Ng fucked around at the school and got bad grades, but through his father, Charles Ng got a visa to attend college in San Francisco, California in 1979. And the way this was described is not like get him as far away as possible. It was just his his dad really wanted him 
to do something like to achieve in life and would yeah, go of course. as far as possible to do it. It's always seemed like a good dad trying to do what was right for his son. The cane thing isn't great, but, but no, it's different times. Different times. This didn't last long because that same year he left college and Charles Ng lied about where he was from and joined the Marines. He says that he was helped by a recruitment officer. To in, lie? In forging the documents. Yeah. Well, we going to war with the Ruskies at any minute, Dave. Kind of get what you can, right? Build up that uh, that army or Marines or the military. Yeah. You don't have to be a citizen to join the military, do you? I did think that was a bit odd. I didn't know. Like, maybe shouldn't you have to be to fight for your country? I, I don't think you do. There's undocumented uh, people in the military, I believe. Maybe it's just maybe. the Marines. Right. I don't know how, how that works. We're getting ourselves in some dangerous territory <laughs> here talking about this. Someone's going to correct us real quick. No, I might be wrong. I'm just talking off the top of my head here. But mm-hmm. I thought it shouldn't I, be maybe as easy as it was for Charles Ng. Is what I would say. It seemed like he joined pretty, probably not, pretty fucking probably easily. Not. I mean, because at this point, then couldn't anybody who wants to work against your country just join this uh, easily? You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. just infiltrate and, you know, let's make it a little bit more difficult to defend this country. Seems to be a bit of a national security issue. A bit. I would agree. In boot camp and when he was stationed, other Marines like Charles Ng, he would fuck around, like we said earlier, with the the Bruce Lee stuff, he would spin kick pencils out of people's hands. They drew pictures of him depicted as very stereotypically Asian, like very racist and made jokes him that he, he loved it. He thought it was hilarious. Like the big teeth, the big glasses, that yeah. kind of stuff. Like those yeah. old Japanese propaganda cartoons yeah. from the forties. Yeah. He loved every second of it. He thought it was hilarious. And also Bugs Bunny. There's some uh, very uh, bugs questionable nips the nips. bugs yeah. nips the nips. There's some questionable uh, <laughs> bugs money episodes and cartoons. And, was, uh, worse, even three stooges. Worse too. hell, Mike. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotta get the people going. Yeah. Hmm. The only negative thing that was said about him, or that was kind of weird, was that he took to chanting "No gun, no fun, no kill, no thrill" a little too serious during marching. Like what it sounded like from quotes in the book um from people who served in the military with him it was like i love your enthusiasm charles maybe we should just tone it down right, a little right. bit they're like they're like dude we're in the mess hall settle down <laughs> yeah. like we're just fucking eating <laughs> we're eating some meatloaf pal. Yeah, right <laughs> give it a fucking rest <laughs> uh so uh, maybe i'm just ignorant to this is that a common like chant with the marines i never heard that before i don't know According to the book that I've been reading. Or at least at that time, too, even. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I'd never heard that one. Yeah. But they're like, dude, we're on furlough. Relax. (laughs) We're at the bar trying to pick up up some dames. (laughs) Relax about it. He's like in the back corner. (laughs) No gun, no fun, no kill, no third. They're like, settle down, Pally. (laughs) Do you remember any of the marching chants from Full Metal Jacket? Like, those are good ones. Yeah, I remember that movie was so good. (laughs) You've never seen that You've never seen Full Metal Jacket? Of course I haven't. Oh, my goodness. I've seen uh, Apocalypse Now. That's a good one, too. Mm -hmm. Let's see other... uh... Is there another older war movie? Maybe not. No, none at all. No, but like a big one. <laughs> Patton, I've Platoon? seen. Platoon? Patton, that's what I'm thinking of. See? Have you seen that? Yeah, of course uh, not. 
<laughs> I've seen a, Apocalypse Now. I've not seen Platoon. Love Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it on the list. You do that. Yeah, they'll sit there. And then I'll just rewatch Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Charles Ng ended up being stationed at Schofield Barracks in Hawaii. And this is where he met the soldier who had hung out with Leonard Lake, Mark Novak. While shopping at a military supply store, Mark Novak ran into Charles Ng, and the two of them realized they were wearing the same scuba diving watch, and this led to a conversation with the two of them hitting it off. A lot of this was based around their interest in survivalism. But the other thing was that Charles Ng didn't drink or try to hook up with women. Mark Novak was married and wanted to completely avoid that side of uh, military things and go into bars so Charles Ng was his guy. Over the course of their friendship, Mark Novak told Charles Ng about a guy he met named Tom Myers, a.k.a. Leonard Lake, and gave Ng Lake's contact info. Like, what do you think the first letter? My dearest Leonard, my name is Charles. I'm in Hawaii. Wait till we talk about the, the letters. So weird. These, in part two, these two, these two write letters back and forth. <laughs> While, while Ng's in prison, it is, it's absurd. It's so ridiculous. It's a, just a true love story. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> while stationed in Hawaii, Charles Ng became friends with one of the guys that was in charge of guarding the armory. And the only reason he became friends with him was because Charles wanted to steal a bunch of guns and stuff from the armory. He would talk about this shit all the time and people just thought he was fucking around. They're like, okay, Charles, yeah, you're going to go steal all the guns. Like, all right, pal. (laughs) These guys have huge mouths. Like, they don't know when to shut the fuck up. (laughs) It's neither of them. Ng's plan was for the guy guarding it to act like he was asleep. Charles would sneak in and then the guy was like, oh, whoops, I was sleeping. But I feel like that guy would get in a lot of fucking trouble for using that excuse. Yeah. So none of it made sense. Charles ended up stealing a bunch of guns and grenade launchers, but the guard ratted him out pretty quick. And the military police were now looking for Charles Ng. So there you go, Mike. A non- you got guard. a non-citizen in there with access to, to the armory stealing grenade launchers and he disappears. It's <laughs> exactly what you just described as a hmm. national security risk. I'm Mike Namapod, and I approve this message. <laughs> Just saying, if you want me to clean up the military, get rid of the, uh, you know, the illegals that should not be in there, vote for me. Okay. And by illegals, I just don't mean immigrants. I mean anyone that doesn't belong in the Army oh, or right. military, Marines, Navy, Air Force. Clean it all up. There's not, they're not going to be stealing arms <laughs> from our country. He's taking a firm stance on this tonight. I like it. Also, how about that guard being a rat? Fuck him, right? Like, <laughs> Jesus. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> I'm just thinking, it's like Goodfellas uh, when they uh, they rob the uh, the airport, mm-hmm. the Latanza heist. Mm-hmm. The guard, Most of those guys the guard just it. looks the other way. Well... Because Robert, Robert De Niro didn't let them make it. No, he did not. Well, Jimmy Conway, if you will. If you will. <laughs> I digress. It was the wine. It's, I'm sorry, it's the wine. <laughs> Feeling Italian tonight. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> 
so Charles got either heard them coming in to find him or caught word of it, something. But he ended up sneaking out of a window and hiding out in the Hawaiian jungle for a couple of days until he got really sick from being out in the rain. Oh, what a great survivalist. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. Not great. He was able to get in touch with Mark Novak and wanted the contact information for Leonard Blake. We're not exactly sure how all this played out, but not long after, Charles Ng showed up in Philo, California and became quick friends with Blake and Cricket. I almost feel like I could have lasted longer in the rain than he did. Almost. <laughs> and I'm a bitch, admittedly. <laughs> But aren't there some, there's got to be some crazy animals in the jungle area in Hawaii? I would think so. You just take those big banana leaf plants, right? And build yourself like a house. You could do it, Mike. Exactly. It's all (laughs) written up on my portfolio. I don't know what kind of animals are out there. Got to be something I want to see, though. (laughs) Right. Come at me. I'll fucking throw hands with them. These two became so quick at becoming friends that Lake hired a woman through an escort service under the name Tom Myers. After paying her, Lake took her out to dinner and then back to the motel where he had her pose nude for photographs. She went to the bathroom and when she came out, Charles Ng attacked her. Threatening her with a knife, Charles Ng forced her on the bed and raped her while stabbing the knife into the bed next to her head. Afterwards, Leonard Lake said, quote, this is something we do all the time, but we usually kill the girls we've been with. But I like you, so we're not going to kill you. Uh, this stuff was all confirmed later in trials uh, that we're going to get into. But from the sounds of things, these two were immediately doing this kind of shit together. It's always interesting when two people like this find each other. And I mean, you know, it's a pretty specific kind of mindset, personality. Yeah. It's not great. It's just, it's just wild. <laughs> this is not good. Like more, most normal people, like, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get going now. But when you find those two people, it's the old. Well, I'm out of here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Al Gore, for inventing the internet. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Escort work seems really kind of dangerous too. Not the safest. Escort work, as opposed to what? Prostitution, though. Like it's oh. all just. Crazy. That's what I mean. Just like you just don't know. Sure. Something to be said for those pimps then. They got to keep them safe, right? Is there something to be said for them? Like nice? Know. Are there nice pimps? I don't know. I don't I really know. know a lot about the pimp game besides what Ice T told me. You know. Yeah. Uh, what and what did he have to oh, say? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear what he had to say to you with the pimp game. <laughs> I mean, someone's got to keep them safe, right? Because the money's got to come back somehow. Yeah. Sure. I think like the escort services out in Vegas are probably pretty regulated and fairly safe. Prostitution is not legal in Las Vegas. It's not. It's only in those but the f- escort couple service. Well, escort service is lo- anywhere. I'm just saying. I mean, if you're escort. just paying me to go out to dinner, that's not illegal. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> you should start but an then, escort service, Mike. But then you again, have some clientele at this point, right? Of course. But. You want to come quick? Hey, K-Fame, motherfucker. K-Fame. Mike's escort service. Get out of my business. You want to come quick right on his dick? Not mine, but the guys we sell to. So here's the thing. There's there's a business out there for guys that just like to come quick. So you don't pay by the hour. You don't pay by the minute. It's just 
you know, in and out, you get 10 minutes. 10 minutes. All right. 30 bucks. Do whatever you want to do for 10 minutes and we're out. All right. Come in, come out, escort service. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I tell them right now, if you want to look for the clit, 100 bucks, you get one hour. If you find it, your money back. <laughs> I've made a fortune. <laughs> I've made a fortune. <laughs> Thanks for adding my business, Dave. Goddamn. Sorry about that. Yeah. Not long after Charles Ng moved in Philo, he, Lake and Cricket, moved from the motel to a property close by called Indian Creek Ranch. This ranch was owned by a woman that lived close by and was looking for caretakers, and the three of them moved in. This wouldn't last long as the FBI somehow got a tip of Charles Ng's location and worked closely with Mendocino County Sheriff's Office to get Charles Ng so he could be tried for stealing all those guns from the armory. The FBI and the police knew that Charles Ng had a ton of guns and his locker back in Hawaii with the Marines. They found timer devices and traces of dynamite. So they knew he knew how to make bombs to some degree. So they were cautious about raiding the Philo Motel. Hey, just because someone knows how to make bombs doesn't mean they're necessarily going to make them. <laughs> like your uh, your school presentation right. back in the day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> just, display aren't purposes that, only. Aren't you the guy that said bombs off in his own fucking hoodie? <laughs> <laughs> that that might have happened. <laughs> Dave has no further comments on the subject. <laughs> on April 29th, 1982... Police and the FBI moved into position to raid the motel, not knowing that Charles Ng had moved to the Indian Creek Ranch. Pretty much at the last minute before going in, the FBI saw the car they were tipped off about driving out of the Indian Creek Ranch. So the FBI moved into position on the ranch, waiting for Charles Ng to return. At 9.15 a.m., once Charles Ng was back at the ranch, the FBI moved in. Charles Ng tried to run, but he was caught pretty quick and thrown into an FBI helicopter and flown to the Ukiah County Jail. We'll see you next week. <laughs> At the same time, Charles Ng was trying to run from the house. Agents saw Lake walking and yelled for him to stop. Instead of stopping, Lake ran into the house, not realizing agents were already inside going through Charles Ng's stuff. <laughs> Oops. <Ooh. laughs> Damn. Lake was caught in his room with a bunch of guns and some other weaponry like live grenades. All in all, the FBI found six handguns, six rifles, hand grenades, dynamite, a silencer, tear gas, and tons of ammo. But the big one that they found was a Mac-10 with a silencer on it, and it had been illegally modified to be fully automatic. That's pretty scary, huh? This guy? Yeah, the FBI was not happy with that Mac-10. <laughs> <laughs> They, they weren't loving that. <laughs> Look here, Lenny. We're not a fan of the Mac-10, all right? <sighs> some of those guns were stolen and some were registered to Lake. And obviously that modified Mac-10 was what really landed Lake in jail. Charles and Lake blamed each other for who modified the Mac-10 and things like that. Like whose grenades were whose, things like that. Um, and we're going to see this as the story goes on that when there's any sign of trouble, they
they turn on each other. And it's a sort of like an agreement between them. Like if shit's going down with any of this stuff, the, the guns, <laughs> rape, killing women, whatever we're doing together, if there's a chance I can get out, I'm bailing on you. And that's that. It's no holds barred. Like we're in this together until we're not. And then motherfucker, you're on your own and I will turn you in. They do this to each other multiple times throughout this story. Maybe not the, the base work for the greatest team in the world. It, their, their run did not last long. Mm-hmm. We had like an odd couple reboot with these two as the, as the odd couple. <laughs> Except maybe without the killing. It'd be yeah. it'd be funnier without the killing. <laughs> Cricket was left at the ranch, and she bailed Lake out the next morning. Lake was facing 17 felony counts, but decided he wasn't going to go to jail. So he fled and never showed up for his scheduled court appearance. And this was happening while Charles Ng was on a military plane headed back to Hawaii. Cricket decided that she didn't want to live a life on the run and decided to move back in with her parents. She didn't stop her relationship with Leonard Lake. The two of them would meet up when they could to have sex and do all of Lake's homemade porn making. Leonard Lake moved from place to place and to make money. He was stealing things to sell or selling weed, which all of these things he called ops or operations. Was he making the porn to distribute for profit or was it just for his own personal use? He has a weird. He was still sending it to his fifteen uh, year old girl that was in high school. <laughs> Is that the sole purpose yeah. for making it? He sent it back to what uh, wasn't Darlene. Yeah. Yeah. Sent it to Darlene. <laughs> There's something really odd about his obsession with the photographs and stuff. I'll Look see. at this photograph. <laughs> Every time I do, it makes me come. <laughs> but just the he's such a a prototype for the fucking internet neck beard. Mm-hmm. Everything he agree does, with that. he calls them ops or operations. Like, Run this op, man. Bragging about cyanide pills. Mm. Like, I'm sure everybody that was around him was like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Right. Early. Man, I wonder if any of those home movies are available anywhere. That's why he need hit to activate your fucking dark side of the <laughs> well, world. Yeah, we talked about Colin Kevin already for those. <laughs> no, it, it's Kevin's int- got them. There are some videos we're going to talk about on part two or part three where uh we see what these guys film there's rumor that those some of those were uh sold to collectors of things like that wow like straight up (laughs) collectors like straight up snuff films like the eight millimeter movie Mm -hmm. oh man i don't even want to get into that stuff because that's just fucked up have you seen that no i don't even know what you're talking about and i don't want to know you'll find out in two weeks nope (laughs) <laughs> I'm not showing up for that episode. It's a walk off. I'm protesting in front of the studios. No snuff, no mic. No snuff, no mic. No snuff, no mic. You see him walking back and forth with a big sign on our on the sidewalk yeah. out there. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm gonna do. <laughs> with a sign that says no snuff. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure people in the neighborhood will love that. Well, hey, it's not my house. <laughs> Early on into running from the law, Lake went to stay with Fat Charles. Living with Fat Charles showed a side that Lake wasn't thrilled with. Fat Charles would treat his wife, Vicky, like shit and his two daughters, a lot of times beating them. This will play a part later on in Lake's decision making and the fact that he had feelings for Fat Charles' wife, Vicky. 
during the stay, Fat Charles wanted Vicky to cuck him and have sex with Lake, to which Vicky said that she did once. Fuck her, Lenny. Give it to her. <laughs> Come on, Lenny. <laughs> those, those two little details will make more sense in part two. On November 30th, 1982, Lake and Cricket got divorced, but still continued to have sex and do all their usual stuff when they met up. Around this time, Lake found out that Vicky had left Fat Charles and the kids behind. And this furthered Lake having this weird concern over the kids that they weren't safe with Fat Charles. Like, yeah, the Fat Charles is a piece of shit, but you're raping and killing women, so... Um, Oh, boy. But this is going to be something that we're going to get. Those details about Fat Charles around the divorce time, will mm. they will make sense. I feel like this entire, as someone who doesn't know this story well, this entire episode is a teaser. Oh, yeah. For what's happening. Their time, the, how these two met and their, how they continue to meet up after things, it it's so confusing and a lot of it's not known, mm, but there's mm -hmm. this whole web of shit that gets you to the really gruesome stuff. It's quite a setup because the story's so wild. It's very intri intriguing and, and interesting. Uh, and before people get on my dick about it, you know, <laughs> Oh, how the fuck does he not know what's going to happen? <laughs> I literally joined this show because I didn't know any of these stories. <laughs> Ian asked me to just listen and get drunk while he tells stories. And that is a hundred percent what I do every week. Just saying. <laughs> so enough. Did someone make funny this week about not knowing something? No, but in general, you know, it's all I, fired up. I hundred percent. Nothing has happened, but in general, people are like, "How the fuck does Mike not know this?" Or, you know, why is he on this show? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Is that, is that whole bottle of wine gone? Uh, it's been long, a long time ago. <laughs> a long time, Pally. Yeah, I literally was asked to join this show because I didn't know any of these stories, and the role was for me to get drunk and learn as we go. Mm -hmm. You're doing a fine job, man. <laughs> yes. And I can honestly say, well, am I learning though, Dave? We've seen those trivia ones. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm getting, I'm good at the drunk part. <laughs> but I can honestly say, like, for being one of our more popular subjects, I did not know what the story was about. I still don't. This first episode is quite a teaser because I feel like we haven't, like, there's been a lot of like, oh, there's been this, you know signs of this and signs of that and but just wait like something big's coming yeah and and i like that i can tell <laughs> i'm excited to learn what's next Can't i love this that. enthusiasm tonight <laughs> man it's fucking awesome mm. i our, agree though it's a good our setup listeners break me again it'll happen <laughs> give it three days <laughs> Oh, did you hear that cocksucker said oh he's so stupid it'd be so much better if he wasn't on the show <laughs> Sorry. Wine drunk. What do you want from me? Ow! Drink the wine. Come on. Oh, After Lake's divorce was final, he drove back to San Francisco to visit his mother and sisters and to make amends with his brother Donald. The family was shocked to see how nice Lake was being to Donald. Like, up until then, he hated him. We talked about it earlier. He Lake just told multiple people all the time that he wanted to kill his brother. Lake told Donald about this job watching a house up in Northern California and said that he wanted Donald to come with him to work on it. 
Donald agreed. And that was the last time anyone saw him alive. <laughs> oh, maybe a fast moving train got him this time. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> a few days later, Lake returned to the San Francisco area without Donald telling people that Donald was working that job in Northern California. But magically, Donald Lake signed up for a membership to the Vantage Social Club in San Francisco right around the time that Lake got back without Donald. Lake had killed his brother to steal his identity, and this is not going to be the last time that Lake does something like this, either to get money, like disability checks, social security checks, things like that, or just to evade the law. Ramping up here. He's a lot like H.H. Holmes. Okay. And the fact that we don't know how many women he killed when we get to that. Um, that his crimes were. But a lot of the confirmed murders were murders of opportunity for money or for, mm. right. for the. Because uh, he liked to steal at heart. Mm-hmm. On January 1st, 1983, Lake started to keep a journal. And just to get an idea how this fucking guy talked, quote, ah, the collector has it really been near 20 years I've carried this fantasy? And Miranda, how fitting, my lovely little prisoner of the future. I suppose in my way, I am the same wimp as the quote hero, and in my way just as crazy. I have no doubt that we wimps have been compensating for our inabilities since the dawn of history. Sad, really. Still, how can we die if we never live? Sigh. He writes sigh a lot. Punch his stupid face. Sounds like uh, one of Ian's uh, AOL away messages in the 1990s. (laughs) 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 Or early 2000s, excuse me. Goddamn, pal. I was going to say this sounded like every incel on the internet (laughs) and neck beard. (laughs) Still, how can we die if we never really live? Sigh. And away message. Go to Ian's MySpace page. This music's playing in the background. <laughs> I'm playing all these years. <laughs> Ironically, for a guy who hated the welfare system and other assistance programs, uh, he had no problem using the disability checks that he was receiving under his brother Donald's name. Uh, and like I said, we're going to see that into the future with him. He was getting a little uneasy about receiving the checks like he had been taking too many checks under his brother's name Uh, and it was getting a little too close for comfort and lake needed a new identity to stay under the radar in april of 1983 lake started operation fish which was his plot to kill fat charles and assume his identity oh damn fat charles and that is where we will pick up on part two oh In part two, we'll get into Operation Fish. If it didn't end up with Fat Charles dying, it would be really comical. How Charles Ng hooked back up with Leonard Lake, how his trial went, Cricket's further involvement in these plans, and and the start of Operation Miranda. It's a lot to get to, Ian. Three parts. So he says. (laughs) Three parts. Yeah, we'll see about that, Pally. (laughs) I believe at one point you said Epstein would be three parts. I did say that. Nine right. months later, we were still covering that fucko. That was a blatant Nine lie. <laughs> so that was a lie. Yeah. So that was a fucking lie. 
final thoughts on part one. It said it earlier. The web of the story and how they how they meet is really interesting. Uh, we're going to see next week. It's going to hit a point where it's just pretty gruesome. Yeah, the rest of the real gruesome. Out. Yeah, I agree. It's a good setup for how these bozos came into contact with each other. This might be like the first episode we ever have done where like the whole episode is a setup for the next episode or for like the next story. Right. Yeah. Like this is like a that's fair. This is like a good intro to the, the rest of it. Oh, I think it's important to get this backstory. It plays a lot. Know what's going to happen. I don't disagree. And, and this isn't the first time or this won't be the last time that these two get separated like this mm. and then find their way back to each other. Mm. I don't think Mike's going to like the rest of the story. Mm-mm. Probably won't. I don't like the first part of the story, <laughs> but <laughs> you give me a bottle of wine and I'll get through anything. <laughs> Very similar to Amanda Berry and mm. Gina and Michelle. Except that didn't doesn't end well for the women involved in this. Not great. Mm-mm. So join us next week. Honk, honk. <laughs> so, so for everyone who's like, fuck these assholes. Like, I'm not listening to this shit. All right. Dave, anything else? Any last thoughts? No, no. See you next week. All right. We got some patron shout outs. Uh, first, a make good to our buddy, Tavis Stromston. Thank you very much, Tavis, for bearing with us on that one. Also, Dustin Day, Christian De La Garza. Miss Goldenface, Paul Cowell, Mr. Serbian, Ryan King, Nathan, Regina Williams, Ashley Howard, the Foreskin Foreman, <laughs> Danita Font, Alyssa Grauman, Isaiah Hudspeth, Alan Irwin, Mike Watson, Dan Murphy, Kim Paddock, Mark Honeyborn, Bo Cole, Edward McEwen, Pike, Bigfoot, Stinky Schmegma, All Things Spooky, Schmegma, Andrew Murphy, Alexandra Duke, Kayla Gadden, Christy Osment, Christy Desport, or Desporte, Thing in the Woods, Carrie M, Alex Goykovic, Taylor Fife, Lauren Gilligan, Cody, Chrissy Beckley, Kimberly Ross, Morbid, I don't consent to monthly charges, all in caps. <laughs> well, motherfucker, you're in for a treat. Shah Abba, Cry the Blind Forklift Driver, or Cree, or maybe he met Chris. I don't know. There's no S. Antonio Flores, Amy J. Yates, Laura Ketter, Caitlin Johnson, Jules Tree, Lacey Valentine, Charlie Degner, Aaliyah Rodriguez, Patty J, Magic Man, Kim Buck, Jet Amp, Stacy McGuire, Ben Feitstreitzer, Fanna Horde, Chandler Palmer, Shandy Jean, Brennan Buertrin, Sweet Savage, Jordan Biggs, Joshua Mayab. Thank you very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Silverbridge Cinderella, Haley 15, Toga Edits, Crunchy, Steffi Cates, SMCE1127, How Many Nicknames Are Taken, 
Sam Townley, Holly Garrett. He did Holly Garrett last week because he called her holy and I had to correct him. That's right. Yikes. I remember my first alcohol. <laughs> we'll end on Holly. I always end on Holly. <laughs> <laughs> what was that one patron's name? The the foreskin foreman? Like I picture him standing there with a clipboard and, and, and a construction vest. Like a bunch of dudes are standing around cutting off little boys' foreskins. <laughs> Like it's like it's the assembly, form line, yeah. assembly line of just, oh boys. He checks them to make sure they're good. <laughs> He's just like, yep. Good work, boys. Looks good. Looks good. <laughs> Union break. Let us go in and have their turkey sandwiches. Come back and cut off more foreskin. <laughs> It's the way God intended it, right, Dave? Absolutely. It's It's in the good book, Mike. It's in the good book. Mm. All right, Dave, you got anything else? I don't, no. A lot of good good reviews lately. A lot of love for Mike in the reviews lately. Mm -hmm. In case you're feeling bad about yourself, fella. (laughs) You were getting all angry earlier for no reason. (laughs) I think you guys are saying that. There's been one review, (laughs) literally one, that said, I like Mike. Haley likes you. Haley 15. Yeah. Oh, thanks, right? Haley 15. I like how these guys are like, oh, a lot of good reviews. Literally one. There is one. Well, for you, that's a lot. Yeah. It's a big, big week for me. <laughs> Finally, someone didn't tell me to kill myself. <laughs> I'm feeling real good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good week for Mike. Thanks, Haley. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll mail you that 20 bucks. <laughs> It's his mom. <laughs> Thanks, Aunt Haley. <laughs> we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, Amazon.com, search Necronomapod, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We appreciate all of your support. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>